Hey folks, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, the space where I sit down with the world's most interesting brands and digital agencies to unpack where they're at, where they're going, and how they're navigating the consumer landscape. I'm your host, Tim. I'm changing up the format a bit for the rest of the year. I'm moving from a season-based schedule to weekly episodes. This will continue into next year also. I really appreciate you tuning in. So if you've got any feedback, you can hit me up at timatyourbasketisempty.com. On this episode, I'm speaking to Ruben Holtback. Uh, he's the founder of multi-award winning brand La Homme Rouge and now founder of Una, a holistic and more sustainable activewear brand with an ambition to inspire more people to move and feel good about themselves. We explore how personal health journey led to the creation of Una, tackling customer relationships at scale, why taking time out is important, the pros and cons of having started a fashion company already, finding inspiration in unlikely places and starting communities by building co-creation programs with customers. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Ruben, welcome to the podcast. Um, how are you and where are you? Uh, I'm in Stockholm and I'm doing great. I'm super excited about uh, talking to you. Nice. Okay. I think we'll maybe leave politics to the side for the moment. I know you guys have had a, an, an election result there. <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll leave that to the side. Um, but sure. I'm keen to I'm keen to uh, usually look backwards first. And um, so La Homme Rouge, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm no, keen it's to actually, sort of explore French, that. The, uh, sorry. I, yeah, it's a French name, so it's like L'Homme Rouge. But oh, yeah, in Swedish, it's like uh, L'Homme Rouge too. It's, it's, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah. Different well, everywhere. God, I'm bastardizing it with an Australian accent. So yeah, um, let's talk about that first. So how did that come about? And I suppose I'm interested to learn why you kind of sunsetted it and we're going to get into Kuna from there. Yeah, so it kind of started like me. I was studying uh, economy in Lund, this university city in south of Sweden. And uh, I was kind of looking for a creative outlet for for what I wanted to do. I was doing like croquis classes and like so much into like design. Uh, so I decided to start a project on my own. So uh, I started making like knitted hats and that was like the beginning of Lom Rouge. Um, and it was just like a one year project, but it kind of grew. Uh, and after like three years when I was uh, yeah, done studying, then uh, I decided to like really go for it. So it's either like go for design studies or doing the brand and I decided to do the brand. And then we did that for like seven years. Um, and uh, I guess where we came to, where like the brand was, it was more like L'Homme is a more progressive menswear brand. Like you could buy it off, like we were winning like design contests, like the Woolmark prize. And uh, you could buy the brand from like Harvey Nichols and, Get a little Fayette uh, essence, that kind of uh, yep. bigger, more premium wholesale uh, spaces. Um, but we were really big in in Sweden, and uh, but the, the wholesale climate wasn't really working for us. And I guess that for me was the whole the whole ecosystem of the fashion industry where I felt 
it wasn't sustainable in terms of the environment, obviously, and it wasn't sustainable in terms of creativity. You know, everything's like spinning so fast. You have the new collections all the time and you, you never have the time to rest. And, um, and also seeing like how our wholesale uh, customers are struggling. That came, like for me, it was kind of obvious that we needed to do something different. Um, so we put that on ice and the ambition was probably like it might start it again, but with like kind of a more digitalized uh, business uh, uh, idea. Uh, but yeah, I had so much inspiration just taking a long break from, from the business and uh, it came up, I came up with Una instead, or I had that idea from before. Um, okay, interesting. Well, I'm yeah. curious about that. Was there ever a thought that you might pivot well, yeah, uh, Lom Rouge, would you have turned that into Una and just kept the name and the brand and maybe pivoted the direction of the kind of like the aesthetic um, and the style? Or were you keen to sort of sunset and like start afresh? I think I was, I was uh, when I was looking back, you know, when you, when you kind of sunset the, the brand and you were looking back on your old uh, notes from the notebook and you look back two, three years and you're looking and seeing what, what my plans were at that point. And it was a lot about like digitalizing the brand, going more like towards like a D2C uh, kind of brand where we would be selling a lot more directly to consumer. Yep. So I saw a lot of opportunity for that. But at the same time, you're, you're, you know, you're like everything's spinning so fast, as I mentioned, and you're doing your thing. And you still have all of these like wholesalers, like you get you get you know you get so much money on the table all the time and it's like it's a, you see kind of where you're going with that um so the idea was definitely to try to do something more digital but at the end like i didn't really execute on that um and you know when you have a team i think we were like seven people uh so at the same time it's it's a difficult decision and Sometimes it's really nice. I think that's on a personal level, that's the best thing I've ever done, like taking a, yeah. a break of things and getting some real perspective. Because I, I see myself as somebody who, who has perspective and like takes time to to think about things. But really, like after six months not doing anything, then you start, you know your brain starts to to open up. Like there's this, I don't know if you say that in, in uh, English, but it's like we have a Swedish saying, which is like the ash is the best, uh, the best kind of soil. You know, like you, you take something away and then you can like start producing something new. Yeah, no, I get uh, it. And it's yeah, like yeah. the mind really, it opens up. Uh, so that was um, a really nice uh, learning for me. Um, but uh, yeah, Una was a, it was actually an idea I had from, from before, like putting Lomroche on ice because, um, because of a personal history. Like I was working too hard and I, I saw a lot of my friends working like super hard uh, when you're like, I think we were around like 26, yep. 27, yep. so it's like seven years ago maybe. And uh, I had problems with my, with my stomach. Uh, I was hospitalized twice. Uh, I saw my friends having like panic attacks, doing other stuff. And like people were like not feeling too well. Uh, and I didn't get like a proper diagnosis. So I decided to, to take matter into my own hands. And then yep. I started like taking care of myself, uh, working out, um, you know, meditating, sleeping better, eating better. Uh, but yeah, the one thing that stood out was actually like uh, running. Um, so I kind of, that like put everything in my life like into place. Uh, so I, 
I really felt like I wanted to to share that with more people. Uh, so that was like something I felt like like an epiphany. Like I want to share this to more people. And how can I do that? Um, and after some time, you know, thinking about my passion for like design and fashion and having this other thing and like combining the two of them, um, it made a lot of sense to me. And Unna is actually it's a Swedish word and it means uh, it's like treating yourself. So when we say Unna day, then you treat yourself something. So really that kind of holistic approach to it. Yeah, nice. That's super interesting. I, I'm, I'm keen then um, because it's quite apparent that kind of, I suppose, active wear, athleisure, you know, that kind of um, intersection between uh, something that's aesthetically pleasing and then like being good to yourself is kind of like gained like serious momentum over the last, I mean, definitely five years, but probably 10 to 15, right? Well, yeah. I'm curious, like, why do you think that is? And I'm, I'm curious, like from you, someone who's come from more of the fashion space, like I think you're an interesting person to sort of like comment on that. Um, yeah, why do you think that is? And like, what have you been seeing in that space? I guess just like these trends like coming and going. I mean, comfort has been a comfort and function has been a trend for some time. You know, like you can see like people didn't wear sneakers 10 years ago. Now it's yep. like you can wear a suit with sneakers. Everybody's doing it. Uh, so I think, and also like it's it's uh, it's a way of living. Like if you are wearing more activewear, that's also saying that you're like a healthy guy uh, mm -hmm. or girl. And uh, also what it also tells you what kind of uh, values you have and what you you're doing in terms of uh, uh, eating and so on. I, I guess it's kind of a LA lifestyle that's kind of spread out for the world. I don't know, um, but definitely like the active and everything is like going so much more informal. Uh, so it's fine nowadays, I, I guess. For me, it was so super fun. Like starting Una, I just I developed like a kind of wind jacket, runner jacket, and I had yeah. a pair of tracksuit pants, and I could go any, anywhere in Stockholm, like meet investors or uh, you know anybody, and that, that kind of um, that was all, that, that was kind all of good. uniform didn't, was didn't working. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. No, no, exactly, well, and I think that's yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that's a really interesting point, though. I, I'd love to like. I mean, I'd love to, well, why don't we start there? So where is Una at kind of today? Because you're pretty fresh into it and you, you know, you've started during a relatively tumultuous time to be starting a brand, although you've got an interesting yeah. sort of uh, backstory and inertia there. So yeah, where is Una as of today, you know, September 2022? September 2022. Uh, so uh, we started in January, like the end of January. So it's, uh, it has, haven't been too long. I think we had a really nice start. Uh, we did some like building up uh, some anticipation for the brand launch. And uh, but from that, um, I guess where we are today, like my goal, uh, kind of the coming two, three months is to reach kind of uh, like 10k pound per uh, per month. Yep. Uh, so it's really fresh, it's really new. And the team is, uh, it's basically it's me, I have my intern here, Eric, I have my uh, nice. co-founding partners, which is a graphic design studio called Figure, uh, and I have my brother like coming in and helping me some with like customer service and stuff. Nice. He's a new, uh, he's a film student now, so it's a good, it's a good fit for me. Yeah. Um, so it's, we've really been trying a lot of things and doing a lot of things ourselves. Um, so, uh, 
yeah, it's it's a really interesting moment. And uh, for the first four months, we kind of had a plan like going more. We did a lot of like digital marketing, yep. um, uh, and also like putting that parallel with uh, some community building. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, different things we've been working on, but kind of you know um, developing the strategy as we as we go along. And uh, I think also from my my experience like having a startup and a fashion business before you get you get a lot more you get a lot better on um, kind of prioritizing what you're supposed to do i think before with my old brand we would kind of any any opportunity we'd run after and then you kind of get you're all over the place now it's i'm very i don't take too many meetings and I'm, i'm really really structured about what i'm doing it's like yeah, focusing on the right kind of opportunities. That's really interesting. That that was something I did want to touch on was kind of like the learnings from the the, the previous brand. What else do you think um, you're either going to avoid or maybe lean into that you think? I mean, the D to C element is kind of interesting. Is that what you're thinking with Una? Do you do you envisage sort of going into a wholesale um, or some sort of B two B kind of state at some point? Um, I think we, we could definitely use wholesale and use that kind of, um, for me, it's a marketing uh, measure. We are mm-hmm. currently working with uh, Essence in uh, yep. Canada. It's a big, uh, a big premium uh, wholesale, online wholesale. Uh, and we'll start working with one uh, like physical space here in Stockholm. Uh, it's NK, it's like uh, the most uh, prestigious department store. Uh, so we're starting from that. Then we might like start doing some smaller things in some new cities. But I think for for me, it's definitely like just having the control of the brand, uh, seeing and meeting the customers. Um, because my, according to my last experience, uh, we did sell a lot of stuff, but it was sold through somebody else, and then you get like you're one step further away from the customers. Yeah, interesting. And it's so fun now. Like we have such a close dialogue, and since. Yep. Una is also like it's very like purpose, uh, like we have this very clear purpose that we want to outfit and inspire more people to move and kind of feel good about themselves. And a lot of people can relate to what we're doing. Um, so it's always an interesting conversation having like the new followers on Instagram and I'm always like sending people a message and like say greeting them if possible if they have like an open profile and it's yeah, nice. so much fun and like asking them where they where they heard about Una and it's always a different story and um, I just love that and it gives me so much energy and I'm actually where we have the we have a showroom now here in Stockholm it's my old store so people still they go in like it's, it's like in a store area and it's like looks like a store so we still have people coming in and it's it's so fun just taking the time to to meet these people and uh, um, yeah, just encouraging people to move and uh, to really uh, you know maybe they'll they'll have the same findings and the same experience with moving as I did. Yeah, uh, so that definitely. is that is a lot different from from yeah just running more like a wholesale driven uh, business model. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, that direct relationship that you have with the customers. How do you think, though, you're going <laughs> to... Will there be a point at which that will become challenging, right? At scale, yeah. it will be hard to, for you to message every individual customer on, on Instagram <laughs> yeah. and ask them. But, like, how do you think about... Because I think that's a really interesting concept that brands want to maintain that uh, authenticity of, like, communication and relationship. But there'll be a point where you do need to scale it. Like, are you kind of pushing that down the road a bit or you think about how you'll tackle that now? 
I think for me, it's like still like, I think, you know, everything you do uh, will obviously um, create something new. Uh, yep. So uh, every people, person you touch with the personal connection, I think that's something you kind of want to integrate uh, with the brand and seeing like building loyalty towards your customer. So for me, it's, it makes more sense to kind of treat the, the customers that are coming back to your business time after time and uh, really build that relationship because they will be the kind of brand ambassadors for yeah. your brand. Yeah. They will be the, I mean, everybody's influencers. Uh, everybody has influence over some people or some some things to say. So Totally. Uh, I, I just want to keep that as far as I, or as long as I can. And I, completely see myself do still doing that uh, further down the road probably not all the time but from time to time because it's like it's nice to just like dip your toes in the in the ocean and see what people are kind of feeling and uh, talking about and it gives me uh, or us as the like the team here if if we know people are saying like oh we came onto your instagram and it was so you see people laughing and really feel that it's something missing um, that you have this very like uplifting tone and uplifting messages. Uh, we have the, you know, it's going through all of the brand, like from the imagery, which is like shot mostly on, it was like analog photography, which is like a flirt with the past, uh, or you do mobile uh, with your iPhone uh, content, which is also like very relatable. It's like from a friend. Um, so... Um, and on the clothing, we have these uplifting quotes, like slow motion is better than no motion. So you see yep. yourself running and you, yep. you meet this, this person with that kind of quote. Um, so it's very much influenced everything we do. Um, and it makes, uh, yeah, I guess that's what the brand is. You know, it's everything. It's totally. uh, all the balance of, of everything. So Yeah, I, I'm keen to sort of switch gears slightly. I, I'd be very curious to know, how does the kind of production process work like? Because your aesthetic is super on point. Like, I love the color scheme, obviously the activewear. I mean, I'm probably definitely in your, firmly in your target market. <laughs> so, oh. um, but um, I'm curious, how does, how does it go from that kind of like initial concept all the way through to, you know, production? Like, and how does it, how, how's like having, the home rouge like helped that like did you have previous kind of supplier connections and stuff like that was that has that been a benefit to you you know starting off with with Una again uh i did yeah i think mostly experience um i think you know how to if you set up a meeting with a new supplier and you have the experience and you can really build and it's like selling you're selling that story uh, yep. to a supplier and selling your confidence uh um so but I'd say for me, like making the brand coherent has been at the key of doing something. So starting this project and looking back on stuff that I might have done better the previous time is definitely that I kind of, I found Una within myself. I was looking into my own kind of purpose and how, yeah, you know, Una is like the, Una is for me, it's definitely like the, uh, what do you say, like making the arm uh, longer or like how I can really contribute yeah. to the world through something um, bigger. And that's like going from a person-to-person -person level, being me as a person to me as a company, uh, spreading the word and doing something good in the world. Uh, so it, 
it very much came from from that and the purpose of the brand and then like looking forward like how do we how do we put that in a kind of visual context so when i started doing the the visual content it was like it was hard to find uh reference imagery that i was looking for so i actually started shooting i shoot most of uh most of the stuff we have myself so i started looking for that kind of aesthetic yep uh and then uh, you go to the brand design and i partnered up with uh, my friends uh, lucas and dennis who's doing uh, like graphic designers uh so we could really find a brand uh, within, uh, yeah, all of these uh, visual elements. Um, so you, yeah, you very much want to put all of that together and kind of that find, and it makes, it makes it a lot easier to, to run a brand and run a business. If you have a very, um, uh, if you have the purpose that you've been working on, yeah, that feels very, you know, it's, it's the same, like we're sitting here in the office and we're talking about what we, we want to do. And then when our customers, they can see that. Um, so. Yeah, it's hard to mm. um, fake the authenticity when it's like a personal brand story, right? Yeah. But I remember seeing uh, something recently, someone talked about the idea if you're starting, I mean, I suppose one could suggest it's kind of any brand, but particularly a direct to consumer brand that you as the founder need to be your customer. That's the best place to be because you, you know yourself really, really well. Do you think that that is true? I, I actually I listened also to podcasts the other day. They were saying the exact same thing and I just felt, wow, that's what I need to hear because sometimes you're, you're, you're listening to people. You should be listening to people. You should be listening to your customers on at some scale and... But at the same time, I think that's, for me, that's probably at the heart of things, like going back to to what you're, you are looking for, going back to having your own kind of yep. customer um, eyes. And if you see that you would like this product within this kind of price range uh, and this kind of brand, I think then everything will also be so much easier um, and make more sense. And that will most definitely shine through in everything you do. So, yeah, that will also help probably to, to keep something coherent. <laughs> I, I don't see myself doing something like, oh, this is a great business opportunity, yeah. but uh, it's for, for somebody else. For me, it's, it's been interesting because with my old brand, I, I only did menswear. Now I do men's and women's wear. Yep. So I, I, I think and I feel kind of when I'm doing a bit of women's wear, I'm so much more... Uh, I'm listening, you know, and for for the menswear is more, uh, yeah, it's still like the aesthetics and everything I do is what I want, I want it to look like. But obviously, I have to have more respect to, for like what's a sports bra supposed to fit like or what's yeah, a, totally, you know. Um, so how do, how not, do you do that? That's a really interesting point. Like, what's the kind of like is that like a product development phase? I'm really green on the like process between like ideation and then product development i kind of get it and like it getting to people's hands but like how do you do that do you do you guys physically test it out you know if you, do you go running in the gear and see what it's like yeah we did we did uh, quite a lot like that was something that i felt was missing uh, like before when we did all these collections and then you you send off you're like you have this collection and you you definitely you, at some point you're like okay then it's done. We have to go to this uh, fair in Paris or we have to showcase this, shoot a lookbook. It's like you have all these deadlines. Now I'm basically, I'm working on a lot of products simultaneously, but I test them. And 
even like on the more core products, like the tights, the sports bras and that kind of stuff. I think I had like 25 girls try it on. And then for like, you know, for the first proto, the second proto. So we did a lot of tests. But then obviously if you have a more like a basic t-shirt, um, uh, you just want the kind of fit you're looking for. And then you yeah. can try it out, some material stuff. It's it's very different from product to product and what you expect from a, from a product. Uh, but um, yeah, I think that's test, just testing it, seeing how it fit is, and you have all of these bodies, uh, different body types, and different needs. Um, and I, I like testing things. I, I had a lot of testing of unisex products. Mm-hmm. That was an idea I had initially. Like, how much could I do unisex? Like, that would be fun mm-hmm. and uh, inspiring and doing something different. But in the end of the day. Um, I realized that, you know, girls, they want the jacket to either be like uh, a bit shorter or a bit longer. And the yeah. guys, they want it just like this uh, exact length, uh, for example. And so um, yeah, it wasn't te- too commercially te- viable. Te- yeah, yeah te- technical products might be difficult for that, right? Like yeah. I-, I cycle, so it's a similar type of thing, like the body shapes are quite different between cyclists. Yeah. So even within brands, like their different sorts of bib shorts will be different fits you know one will fit better yeah. than the other right which which is rather frustrating um yeah, I, i'm curious uh, though like i'm curious what the um are there brand what brands do you look to for inspiration because i mean when i see you guys i see it in 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 line with some others that i would be immediately attracted to but i'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts who do you kind of look to for inspiration um, so I'm, I guess I'm probably like more a design and fashion junkie at heart. I like, I, I like the kind of arty stuff, yeah. but also I think Unna, it's a, it's a very, it's quite a, it's more like a commercial platform. Like I want to reach a lot of people and be mm-hmm. more democratic, but the things I look at, uh, I think I really like, uh, Balenciaga at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think they, they do a really nice thing. Uh, and I've been super inspired by my friends, uh, Albin and Max, who started Axel Arigato. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think just being close to that and seeing that happen, I remember when Max came to me like, oh, I'm starting this uh, DTC brand. It was like the only DTC brands at the time was like Everlane. And he was like, <laughs> I, I'm looking at this Warby Parker model. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't too certain. I was like, will, will the customers really understand like you're cutting the middleman? You know, it was like yeah. kind of talking at that time. Um, and I wasn't too certain, but hey, you see, uh, it works. Uh, so they, yeah, they've, they've been like super inspiring. And I think a lot of like the big uh, fashion thinkers are always inspirational uh, for me. I listened to another podcast with Joji uh, uh, Yamamoto the other day. I think that's also uh, very inspiring. Um, but yeah, I consume a lot of like podcasts and listen and inspiration <laughs> all over. I think it's more like uh, cherry picking. I think yeah, totally. It's better having so much inspiration and listening to so many people, and you can find inspiration in all segments everywhere, and you can kind of turn it your own way and do it in the, the way you want to do it. So. So that's interesting, like the the sort of the the real fashion inspiration angle. Do do you then like look at other maybe like I don't know, like a Warby Parker, and look at them as inspiration, or maybe like an Outdoor Voices more so from their business model perspective and how you can scale as opposed to the aesthetic or the the brand as such. 
Yeah, definitely. I think I, I, for, for fashion brands and sportswear brands, I don't think too many of them are doing it too good yet. But I think like if you look, there's a lot of like skincare brands and, like building community around yeah. more specific uh, products. Um, I, I heard one idea um, that we actually I kind of elaborated on uh, that was a kind of having a close friends list. So now we have like all the co-creators. We have like 250 people now, I think, that are co-creating uh, with the brand. We're using that for a close friends list on our Instagram account where we're like, always like getting a lot of like feedback on um, on products. We're showing, showing them stuff, what we do behind the scenes and like building community that way. Um, so that's, for example, that's like a very like you hear something like a business idea that's typical, more like cherry picking. Uh, so I think that's mostly what I do. And I think you also had an interview here with uh, the guys from Asket. So I mean, yep. they are super strong in the sustainability part. I think that's super inspiring for me. All of my collection is made in recycled and organic materials. And I have this, I kind of want to, my next step when when going a bit further, I want to uh, kind of pivot into a business model, which is where you order from the factory instead. Or maybe we do half of our orders from the factory. So you do it, uh, let's say, like eight, nine weeks in advance, and then you get a better um, better price for you get a better price and the planet get a better price because we don't need to, or more value for everyone. Uh, yeah, so I think that's also like really challenging the the old uh, systems. So, uh, but I, yeah, definitely. I think going everywhere, somebody's always the best at something. And I think that's the one you should listen to, but I don't tend to go too much into like one and thinking, oh, they are, for they're great I, for me it's like balenciaga they do great interesting fun designs that i think stand yeah. out and at the same time they are like in the metaverse and they are doing like super nice content which is like they're keeping a fine line between like fashion and fun which yep. is quite hard i think um but we're not at all like balenciaga we're far from it but it still like inspires me so um yeah, I'd say I, I I just love. Yeah, I read and listen to a lot of things, so it's uh, it's all over. <laughs> I'm keen you to can just, find inspiration uh, in anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that that's a good point. That's a good point. I just want to touch on um, before we sort of start to round up the conversation. You, you talked there about the kind of like um, the community that you're building. So uh, are they are they people that you kind of reach out to? Are they kind of influencery? Like, as in, I mean, you'd be sort of targeting a very different sort of influencery or creatory type person than sort of the, the standard I would imagine but like how did you kind of bring those people in and are they when you're fostering that community are you so you're working with them directly in terms of like product development giving them samples and getting their feedback and, and, and all of that sort of stuff like is, is that kind of what that community is, is about yeah it's, it's actually started also like an inspiration from another brand that did a pilot uh, program prior to launching the brand which i felt was like super interesting but I, at the same mm. point i think they didn't really take the full advantage of that strategy uh, it was they kind of did it like okay you uh, you can uh, come here and you can try the product and they have a thousand people signing up and maybe you know a hundred people can try the product the rest were just like sent uh, these uh, discount codes. And, you know, for me, it's like you have this opportunity to build a community around something so important and then you end up just giving them... This. For me, it's not... I don't think that's what pe why people sign up to a brand or, like, want to be engaged with the community to get a cheaper product. 
I think it's about like getting some other kind of value. So that's why we changed that. So we didn't call it, they call it like a pilot program. But for us, this is a co-creation program. So it started off yeah, as more like that kind of pilot program where uh, we had a lot of, I ordered a lot of samples and we sent these around and people started really engaged with the brand and the, uh, we could start doing content prior to launching the brand. Um, so we started from that, but now the co-creator program is, is so much more. So you can, uh, yeah, you know, we want to, anything you could co-create on. Like if you want to share, we have people sharing playlists and doing content. It's like, it's gross organically, you know, you have this community and people yep. uh, with like-minded people. I think that's like super strong uh, building a community on that. Uh, so I'm not sure. Now it's uh, most people on the Ulla, Ulla like, um, in the Unna communities, more towards the creative uh, people with creative aspirations. So it's uh, it's a kind of a it's kind of a tight community. And let's see what happens next. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, yeah that's say, super uh, interesting. Yeah, so we could ask the community or something like, "Hey, uh, this person in the community is going to Paris next week. What are your best like?" Uh, tips on like uh, going places uh, it's yeah, like nice. it doesn't have to do too much with exercise always but um i think uh, it kind of works for itself which is uh, super nice yeah well, i think what's interesting there is that is actually the definition that is a proper community um I, yeah. I was interesting what the that my the the first episode i did was with someone at uh, lottie from um she started a community called the copy club and yeah. we were discussing the kind of like the differences between what actual community and I think, I think unfortunately brands, it's not just direct consumer brands, it's generally people are thinking about community and they're not really doing community. They're sort of wrapping sort of an ecosystem concept and they're saying it's community, but it sounds like what you've got there is an actual community because it's, it's self-sustaining. There's direct conversations going on between people within the community. Like that is an actual community, yeah. you know, which is, which is super interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, I, I also think that's like a super opportunity that you shouldn't forget. Like if you're starting a new brand, I think it's easier. This is just my, my thought, but it makes more sense to a new brand to start with a community from scratch and yeah. people can feel involved and like they're, totally. they're the part of building it. But if you're like a brand all, already, you know, with the turnover of uh, 20 million or something <laughs> and you're starting a community, then it's... Uh, uh, it's not as authentic, obviously. Totally, uh, yeah. And it's all about authenticity. Oh, this is a hard word, I think. Authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry, you know mate. what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want to look forward as we round it out. So where's Una in five years' time? Um, yeah, my friend here, he told me we had, we had this, or we have this run club we just launched and uh, we had this girl, Rebecca. Uh, she never, she yeah, basically never ran before uh but then she she came here she didn't have shoes I, yeah i borrowed uh, lent her a, a pair of shoes and we we went out running and now i now i was told she's running more or less every day and i think that's like the the core at una like i want more people to move and and really build uh kind of a self uh, yeah feel better about themselves basically so i really want more people to to uh, to be doing that and in five years i i guess i hope we'll be we're doing that across the world in the major cities with like local communities uh building the brand 
having some super super nice products and uh, yeah you'll see it uh, in London every day dude sounds sick sign me up to the London chapter definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, look I think that's a great way to end the podcast Ruben thank you so much for joining me thank you There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Clevio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time. You know what they say about folk with glass jaws.